Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Investors, as we all know, financing deals can be very challenging. If you are looking for funding for your next real estate transaction, we want to introduce you to Fund That Flip. Fund That Flip is a lender that gets you fast, affordable capital on your one to four unit projects, including single family rental and new construction. Ladies, we have known the founder, Matt, and his company for many years, and they are the real deal. So Andressa, where can they learn more? Ladies, if you're looking for great terms and reliable service, check out fundaflip.com backslash investor. For more than 25 years, Holly Williams was an executive in the advertising industries. Then she discovered the power of real estate investing. And as they say, the rest is history. Holly is a founder of MQ Ventures, a New York-based real estate investment firm that has over $100 million in multifamily experience nationwide. On today's episode, we discuss a ton with Holly, including the power of real estate investing, the importance of evaluating a syndicator, the number one tip to getting started today and which questions to ask potential money partners. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. Glad to have you on another fantastic episode where we're interviewing amazing ladies out there doing amazing things around real estate investing. And then we also throw in some mini-sodes where Andressa and I are yep. sharing, sharing about our, our, our investing life. And, and we do that. We try to do that with, that, with uh, what, 10 minutes or less, right? Yes, 10 minutes or less. So we need to like really think about that, what really happened and what we got out of it. Right, in the lesson, really quick. So yeah. we, do those, we do those every, say, four or five weeks. And, and uh, this week, we have Holly on the show. So welcome, Holly, to the Real Estate Investor Show. It's great to be here, ladies. Yeah, we're excited to get into Holly's story. She's got a really, really neat story. Uh, before we go there, I'd like to kind of connect with all you ladies listening and, and kind of see what's up happening in our world and our life. So, Andressa, what, yeah. what is going on? You know, sometimes I want to talk about being uncomfortable and what that feeling means. Okay. I, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> when, <laughs> here's the thing. I, I've done tons of deals and lots of the times they are big numbers, but for the first time I made an offer above a million dollars and making that offer made me very uncomfortable. Mm. And I was like, what is this feeling here? I, did the due diligence and we reviewed the deal. It does make sense. It's a good deal. And we, we are making the offer, but, and then my business partner who you really know very well, <laughs> look at me and he said, that's great that you're feeling that hang tight, hang tight. It means that you're growing. And yeah. that's uh, every time, every time that I am feeling uncomfortable, I rephrase that to my brain and say, that's good. It means that you are growing. You are growing. So for the ladies out there that you're going to make, you know, your first offer and your first deal, it doesn't really matter if it is a hundred grand, if it is 80 grand, that's your first, first offer. That uncomfortable feeling, don't mistake that for oh my gosh, I'm doing the wrong thing. I shouldn't be doing that. And then you have cold feet and then you back 
of the deal. If you did your due diligence, if you have a good team around you to support you, yep. that feeling means that you are growing. Yeah. So, yeah. And I love that. I love that. And I, you know, it's funny because I know Matt shared that with me too. And he said, I, I just told her, yeah, he's like, I just told her to sit with it and move through it. You know, you know him. But, but I, I'd say, you know, I think it's a great lesson, Andressa, for all of us, because yeah. no matter if you're a seasoned investor, you're doing big deals, small deals, you're just, just getting started. We have all those, all those types of women listening to this, with this show, which, which I absolutely love, but we're always, all of us are moving into new areas, right? Yeah. So, so you and I are experiencing that and we have experience. Yeah. And people that are new, people are experienced. So we're always dealing with that. Are we doing things just that are comfortable or not? And I think as the, you know, as the new year is upon us or, or c- close to it, you know, hold, hold that for a moment. Really take that on. And if you're not doing anything that makes you feel uncomfortable, you're probably not growing enough. You're yeah. probably not stretching yourself enough. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good lesson. It's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully we get that deal. Yes. But, um, but without further ado, without further ado, excuse me, Miss Holly is on our show and she, uh, she's done some really cool, uncomfortable things as well. So Holly, uh, for the ladies listening, I've already introduced you a bit. For the ladies listening, love to understand from you what compelled you to invest in real estate. So the first time it was, I need a place to live, right? And so yeah. I, um, I grew up in Texas and, and uh, got a job offer to come to Manhattan uh, in 1990. So I did all the stuff you're supposed to do. I grew up in like a middle-class family, mother school teacher, dad, you know, son oil company for 35 years. And I did everything that you're supposed to do. Put the max in the 401k, blah, blah, blah. And um, when I moved to New York City, it was a time when you could do that. You could, Mm. you could scrimp and save and buy an apartment. <clears throat> so I bought an apartment because I, I was tired of paying rent. You know, I knew it was a waste of money or whatever, or at least that's what I had been taught, <clears throat> right? And so I bought a Manhattan apartment in 1992 for, <laughs> you're gonna love this, a one bedroom in a doorman building, 9th Street and Broadway for $125,000. Oh wow. <laughs> And, and what is that worth today? What is that worth today? Well, it's, I don't know what it's worth today. I sold it after my daughter was born. Um, and I sold it for a little under, a little south of five. Wow. Okay. Wow. So yeah. um, that was probably my, you know, it was up there. I mean, that's, that's awesome. and that just goes to show you if you, so people told me the real estate market at that time was, was down. Right. And I was like, a, you know, that was, I didn't, wasn't making that much money. And, 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 um, <clears throat> you know, so, so the real estate market was down. People told me it had to, it was kind of funny. It was a great little apartment, but the bathroom was through the bedroom. <laughs> you know, for those of you, my friends in Texas can't believe it. And, um, and they told me, Oh, you'll never get rid of it. You'll never sell it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because I knew, you know, you're talking about uncomfortable feelings. I knew that all this NYU was all around there. Mommy and daddy aren't going to spend the big bucks to send Johnny to NYU if there are crack houses on the corner. I mean, (laughs) no, it's just not going to happen. So, so it worked out. So that was my first deal. 
And then, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all of that stuff. And I knew cognitively that the whole W-2 thing <clears throat> and working and, I, you know, I was in advertising and working. But, you know, in my head, you were programmed, right? You know, I wasn't brought up to think that way. And it takes a long time to reprogram if you don't know your program. Yeah. Right. So that uncomfortable feeling that does mean you're growing. Right. Well, I was growing anyway, because I came from Texas and lived in New York city. I was having a good time. That in and of itself was sort of a big, big move. Right. An uncomfortable thing, but I really liked my job. I really liked the career. I really had a good time. Right. So I kept going and along the way I bought a, couple of single family houses in, back in Texas, um, you know, because I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, something um, with that knowledge, right? Something, right? And, um, you know, kept, kept going and, and kept moving up the ladder. I say, I say I crawled and scratched my way to the middle a bit. Um, made some good moves, went to AOL and was relatively early in that, the whole internet thing. But um, early enough for my daughter to go to college, but not early enough where I <clears throat> could like quit my job and live on a beach. Um, then I met my husband six years into this thing and, and, uh, we got married and he happened to be a, are you ready for this? A cop, a sergeant in the police department mm. in Brooklyn. I'd never been to Brooklyn. <clears throat> I was a big scuba diver by that point. I love scuba diving. So I, nice. one of, one of his friends was a diver. So anyway, I met him. He pursued and pursued. I was like, what am I doing with this cop from Brooklyn? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> As it happened, he had a four family house in this little neighborhood in Brooklyn called Carroll Gardens. And I said, well, shoot, why don't we just renovate this thing? Because it's one block away from a really great neighborhood. So mm -hmm. that was the good thing to do. So we renovated this thing. And that's how I sent my daughter to private school is we have we rent out three apartments. We live in one and we yep. haven't, haven't left. So that's kind of what we do there. And then we bought this place. I'm actually in Woodstock um, right now, Woodstock, New York, a little place. It's uh, two hours north of New York city. And we bought it as an investment from friends that were retiring and moving to Arizona or whatever. And I said, so the first summer, though, it was too late to rent it. So we came up here a little bit. We joined this swim club and <clears throat> stuff. And my daughter started swimming on the swim team. All this, you know, it just happened. So now we don't rent it. We just Use make it. them happy. So, <clears throat> and, and that just goes to, there's a balance, right? Between, I mean, we only have one life. And so if something really makes you happy, like financially, it makes no sense for me to not. I mean, the, the person down the street is getting three fifty a night on Airbnb at her house. And, you know, we back up to the forest preserve. It's really great. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's like um, it makes me happy. Yeah. yeah. We, yeah. we keep it. How did you transition to passive investing? Because that's all the, so that got you your feet wet with your active investing, which is awesome. So right. when did the transition happen? Because you, you're a partner in like 3,000 doors, right? Mm -hmm. So when did that happen and how did that happen? Well, it happened because I was, I, I, uh, I was on the board of, uh, I went to school at Texas Tech in Lubbock, Texas. And I'm on the board with a, with a guy named, a, a person that's 20 years younger than me named Joe Fairless. 
And he and I were on the board together and we started talking about real estate and taxes and blah, blah, blah. And we both lived in New York. So we became friends. And he called me one day and he said, I'm going to quit my job in advertising and I'm going to hire this guy to teach me how to buy apartment complexes. And I was like, okay, great. Let's go to dinner since you're unemployed. When was it? <laughs> Seriously, we did. We went to dinner. And, um, and, and when was it? Which year? Six years ago. Something wow. Like something like that. Unbelievable. Something. I don't know. Anyway, so he called me uh, shortly. He tried a number of things. Maybe it was, I don't know. The years are starting to blur, but he called me and said, Hey, I have, I found this apartment complex in Cincinnati and I'm looking for investors. So I said, Hey, so I, so I invested his first deal and I really didn't know what I was getting into because I wasn't in the club. You see, Joe Fairless introduced me to the club. And okay. What's the, what's the club? What's yeah. The club is the people, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, brouhaha recently on Jared Kushner, if you remember, about how he doesn't pay taxes. Mm. Well, that went away pretty quickly. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen his tax returns, but I suspect that a lot of what he's doing is real estate partnerships. Just a guess. Just saying. Just saying. So, I, I, you know, I didn't, and, and I would also guess, I haven't seen Congress's tax returns or most of the 0.002%, you know, whatever. But I would guess, well, I know about the 0.02%, and I know that they're involved in this. Um, you know, it's, a, it's the government writes the laws, and they write them so that they can, you know, take advantage of them. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is, right? Yeah. And so that doesn't mean that we can't do it. It's just that if we don't know about it, we can't do it, Right. So, um, and it's not like a big secret, but it's secret enough where they've got, you know, the accredited investor thing. And I know people that made millions of dollars in AOL and they don't know what an accredited investor is. Me too. I didn't make millions, but I didn't know what an accredited investor was. And I was one. I was one for years. I had no idea. So, so Howard, just, just because you, you, on your, on your questionnaire, you made a very good point about that. You did not know you were know. an accredited investor and you mentioned that it's the financial institutions or your uh, advisor, yeah. they don't want you to know yeah. that. It, explain to us why is that? So they either don't want you to know. And sometimes they don't even know themselves, but most of the time, they <laughs> oh my gosh, most of the time they did. They don't want you to know because see, here's the thing. It's not that they're bad people and they're coming to work going, I'm going to rip off everybody, but they work for a company and the company has mutual funds and the company gets paid when they sell their mutual funds. So they're going to put you in things that are going to make money, most likely, right? But, but they're going to, it's going to, you know, they're going to make more than you. You can bet on that, right? Because somebody's paying for all these buildings down in, in <laughs> lower Manhattan, right? So, and, and so when you buy a mutual fund, so that's what happened to me. Uh, all these things converged. So I invested in Joe Fairless's deal. I started learning about this. Then I had, I had a financial advisor who is a great guy. He's a friend. I mean, he's probably, listen, he's never told me, but he's like, are you kidding me? What are, he probably hates me actually secretly, but anyway, <laughs> so, so, so I have this, so 
I got a 65, you know how you get these 1099s at the end of the year? Congratulations, you've made money, right? Well, I never thought about it because I was busy. Mind you, I'm busy. I'm running around with my advertising thing. I'm flying all over the place. I've got a nice little career going. I'm collecting that great check and having a good time. So I wasn't paying attention until the day when I got the, got the 1099 that said, you've made $65,000. Wow. And, uh, and you owe Massively. total gains on the $65,000. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. So capital gain, 20%, that's like 15 grand. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't make any money. I didn't yeah. take money out of this thing. Why do I have to pay capital gains on money I didn't take out? And that was the big aha. And then I started researching and then I started realizing at the same time how passive in passive income you can with rental real estate, you can have losses because of depreciation and all the expenses involved in the house. So I knew all of that. What I didn't know is that there are ways that you can invest in apartment complexes outside of a REIT that invests in them, right? But the, when you buy a REIT, you buy a mutual fund that owns these things, right? So the mutual fund managers get all the money, all the benefits, right? You're just investing in another mutual fund, which is great, whatever, but we're conditioned to believe that our five, six, seven percent is good, and it's not. Here to tell you, it's not. And when they say no load or whatever, or 0.7% expense ratio, that's great, but there are other expenses in there too. When they're buying and selling these stocks, they're paying fees, they're coming out of your returns. So I started really researching all of this. I learned that you can passively invest in these opportunities. I learned where to find these opportunities. I learned what was good and what wasn't. Then I began to move money from the stock market into passive real estate syndications. So that's a, it's a great topic, right? Because so many people want to, people get into real estate, I think in a lot of ways, because they think it really truly is just a passive, you know, income, right? So then you get into this whole other conversation. Do you want to be passive? Do you want to be active? And I don't know about you, but you could be very active in this business, you know, and you, you could create another job and, and, and we can go down that. And that's another episode for another day. But for you, you took the passive investing approach. So for the ladies listening, that maybe do want that approach. You know, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate for everyone, right? <laughs> People just want to, I want to eventually just have this huge pool of money. I mean, we, we invest our own, in our own deals, but I'd love to be transitioned in, 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 in years that I'm that true, true, true passive investor, right? We're really taking the seat back and you're truly just kind of um, letting other people operate the deals and things where we're a little more on the operations side of it. But for you, you've learned along the way, how have you been able to, or how would you recommend to the ladies listening that want to also be that passive investor, that true passive investor, I should say, how do they evaluate the syndicator? And then syndicator, meaning the yeah. person, for the ladies listening, meaning the, the, the people at the realm, like a Joe Fairless, like my husband, like the tens of, there's hundreds of, of syndicators in the country, right? Great, great, great people, men, women, I know both. Right, right, right. How do you assess... Whoever it is, it doesn't matter. But how do you assess that that is someone you want to hitch your, you know, your, your, 
train to or hitch your wagon, hitch your something to. And you really want them to be the operator for you because when you take right. your seat out of the driver's seat, if you take yourself out of the driver's seat, you better believe you better have the right operator. Driver, yeah. Because right. if I'm going to put my hundred grand, my 200 grand, whatever amount of money, 50 grand, half a million, whatever into right. someone or something, you, you better make sure you know right. that, that you're comfortable. So how did you do it or how have you learned to ensure people make the right decision? So there's a couple of things. The first thing is that I knew that I was, that I knew that, that I wanted cash flow. So that's the first thing is know what you want because there are many th ways to do this. You can fix and flip. People buy distressed complexes. Yep. They, can't have, they kick out deadbeat tenants. They turn them around. They, they buy things that need a doctor, all of that. And you can make money on all of it, right? That's right. That's not what I wanted. What I want, what I, what I look for what I, my goal is to have cash flow that is capital preservation and cash flow. So you can't, it's, I, I've never been able, if anybody finds this in New York City, please let me know. <laughs> you can't, I have not been able to find anything like that in the Northeast, right? But you can yeah. in Texas, you can in Tennessee, you can do it in, in North Carolina. And commercial real estate is all about relationships and about net operating income. So I wanna buy things that are already making money and that have the potential to make more money. Mm, that's so for instance, a lot of the, uh, and I also wanna help the world a little bit and I wanna focus on working Americans like the McDonald's manager. That's right, I think it's a very overlooked market segment in this country. Everybody's all concerned about the really poor people and the really you know, rich people, right. but they're not really concerned about the people that are like absolutely. delivering the mail. So I really wanna make that, make it better, make, give them a better place to live for a reasonable amount of money, mm -hmm. right? So um, there are all kinds of reasons, you know, and then when the economy gets bad, people downsize. Right, so they down, downsize to a class B type of, type of asset. So I want something that's already cash flowing that we can go in and make it more efficient. So computerize things, you know, whatever. Um, and, and then add things like a carport. People will pay a hundred bucks more a month for it. You know, washer dryer. People will pay 50 bucks more a month for a washer dryer, believe it or not. I mean, all of these things. So, so, and that, what that does is it enables you to raise the income of the asset, right? That in turn raises the value of it. So, and the, you would, as you charge more rent, you collect more money. It's very, very simple as opposed to the stock market, which at the end of the day, I realized, uh, I knew that was going to happen. I realized that I don't understand. Okay. I knew that was going to happen. I don't know why it's unplugged. I swear. Hello, go away. <laughs> I don't know what's ringing. I really don't. Oh, wait, here's, this is what's ringing. Okay. Um, who knew? <clears throat> Sorry about that. No worries. So I, think, I'm, I, th I don't think I'm gonna edit this. So <laughs> where was I? <laughs> I don't know how to turn it off. Um, it's all where, good. Where, where was I? So, so they don't. So, so yeah. So you can make improvements, raise the income, and make more money. It's very simple. They pay rent. You collect the money, and that, so the idea is to have a good market 
the team is 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 paramount and like-minded people and so i have a if you go to keepmore.com that's my mm-hmm. my web where i live on the web keepmore.com i have a little you sign up for my you can download the little thing that i look for when i evaluate a deal so what i've done is <clears throat> i've found like-minded people that have that same strategy because what i wanted to do was to keep my job cuz i liked it and i wanted to develop a passive income stream um, without, and, and what's the beauty of this is that I'm get, making more money than the single family houses, but I don't have to do any work. So that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. So I started doing that and just moving money from mutual funds, just like, you know, gradually over five or six years. And what's happened is because of that, I'll put 50, 100 grand, 200 grand, you know, in a deal, and I've developed a, an income stream. And and so I'm so evaluating those syndicators starts though with what do you want because people there are ways to do this lots of people um, go and they'll buy a distressed thing and you might not get distributions for a year or two yeah right yeah you know they'll they'll be fixing it up they'll be stabilizing it all of those things and and those are good too it's just that i want income so you have to decide what you want what you're looking for and that can change too as you get you know more income you might want to do something that needs fixing up but for right now that's my criteria so as i did all this people started asking me what i was doing i i as you can tell i'm passionate about whatever i do and I started telling people. So Joe needed help raising some money for the second one. Because this is the beginning, right? Now he's famous and all that stuff. <laughs> but and you can't get in any of his deals. They fill up in five minutes. Yeah. And, and, and so, so, you know, um, so I started offering things that I was investing in to my friends and my family. Because here's the bigger thing. People say, I can't, I don't feel uncomfortable investing with friends. If you don't know somebody, you don't have access to this because you can't advertise them. See, they've got this thing. That's a great point though. Figured out the, the 1% or whatever it is called. They've got this thing all figured out. They've got hurdles that they've put in place. You have to be this accredited investor, which honestly, let's just call a space bait. If you're living in New York city and you're over 30 and you're in anything but a fourth floor walk up with three roommates, you're probably close to an accredited investor, if not one. Right. So, so they make it sound so, you know, whatever, that's a hurdle, right? You have to mm-hmm. be an accredited. Then you have to have a relationship with the person, right. To that you're investing with. So if you don't know this and you're busy off doing your job or whatever, and you don't grow up in this world where you know about this stuff, you don't know. Yeah. I want to make a quick point on, on that part of the advertisement because, you know, I see on the internet, Ugh. oh my gosh, so many offerings mm-hmm. with the returns there and i was like oh, guaranteed man. right and talk talk to me about it um why you're saying that it's so important to have a relationship first and how can you prove that you do have a relationship with that person well um that's a great question um if we're talking i would consider you and i we have a relationship now right right 
you know? So, I mean, that's how I define it. I, I you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a lawyer and I should preface all of this by I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a financial advisor. This is only what's happened to me. Yeah. And, and SEC right. lays out some really specific, they have, a, it's a, Matt's done a lot of talking about this four right. prong approach where, you know, you basically, it's, it's that pre-existing relationship. So right. the biggest thing, you know, I would jump in and say too, is that people need to start creating avenues to build relationships, yeah. right? So, I mean, you, you know, like the three of us are on this call together and Holly, we've now created a relationship, but if you don't have a way of meeting people, right. <laughs> that's a problem. You know, if you don't have a way of keeping in touch with people, that's a problem. So we have a monthly newsletter. People can sign up for that newsletter and start engaging with us. That's a pre-existing relationship. Correct. You know, I, you know, in terms of, in terms of solicitation, right? Because that's what you're trying to trying to have a fine line between pre-existing yeah. and the solicitation. So I'm not an attorney by any means, ladies, but, um, right. but what I can tell you is that people wake up one day and go, oh, I want to start raising money and do this and do that, but yet they don't have any vehicles in place Correct. to create those relationships. So right. that's the biggest thing you can do is you start meeting people, start putting education out there, do a YouTube channel, do a podcast, do a newsletter, do something to add value to people and create those relationships and create this, you know, kind of ongoing like educational approach. That's what Joe did. I mean, he's a, he's amazing. He's a, and uh, that's a why man, I right? bought the URL keepmore.com. Because I really believe that it's my taxes. Yeah, your website's awesome, by the way, and I love that tagline. My so, taxes. Oh my God, I was paying so much, and now I'm not paying anywhere. I'm still paying taxes. Don't get me wrong. Believe me, I pay taxes. But, but, but just so, and and that's what I do. So when I say go to my website and look at my criteria, and you know, I've got a little booklet, and you can sign up for my mailing list. It's the same. That's 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 what I'm doing. So those people have relationships with me right that's right it one thing has honestly just led to another where i the more i learned about this the more i realized how especially as women we are not financially taught very well in this country um and if we're taught we're taught by people that want us to know want very little correct (laughs) <laughs> I asked my CPA, I was like, are you kidding me? Why didn't you tell me that you could do this? And he said, yeah. Holly, you can't get in them. I can't tell you, that you about this because they're not publicly available. So that's why I say it's a secret. And, it, and, it, and it's really not. It's just it's not publicly available. You have to be in the club. Yeah. So, so you know, um, and so what I found myself doing was spending lots of time I have all these relationships from a 30-year career in advertising. And I found myself getting more and more passionate about this and realizing that I honestly almost have a calling and a mission to do it. You know, I mean, I, I just really feel like, whether, like we need to be more financially educated in this country. Uh, as women, I started immersing myself in this world, right? And, and not that there's a thing wrong with being a realtor, but I would go to these investing groups and they would automatically think I was a realtor. I would be like, <laughs> yeah. like two or three women in the whole thing. Or a designer or an architect, something like that. Exactly. You're an interior. Yeah. No, you're just there with your husband, right? That's, that's, that's you know. Where, yeah. Tell me about your husband. And my husband is like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You know so, <laughs> 
so yeah, so so it's 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 really been an interesting thing. So this has gone on now for four or five years. One thing has led to another, and I became more passionate about this than I was about my thirty-year career. And I began to get offer. We first started helping Joe because he needed a million dollars. He called me and said, "Can you help me raise a million dollars?" So I did. Yeah. And so one thing has led to another. I'm curious too for for the ladies listening. I mean, you know, I, I, we'll talk to a lot of people. I mean, you know, Matt. Matt wrote a book on raising private money and that it comes up a lot of how do you find people, right? How do you find people who have money, right? Like they're just all sitting on the, the side of the road with bags of money, right? Right, right. That'd be awesome. And you're just driving around. And brown bag. Like, hey, I have a, I have a million dollars. I want to like invest with you. Right. So my, oh, my trunk. Yeah, yeah. Or in my trunk. Yeah. That'd that be hasn't better. happened to me yet. That hasn't happened to you yet. <laughs> no. Uh, but you know, it's really interesting because I, I feel like so many times people don't, realize what they have in front of them, Correct. right? The, the, the story of the acres of diamonds, the guy, you know, the guy goes broke, he goes poor, he sells his land, the other, the new guy comes in and he finds these diamonds and it's right underneath the nose of the first guy. It's a great story. If you've never heard the story, Google acres of diamonds. Yep. Phenomenal story. And I'm not telling it uh, amazingly well, but it's a great story about that. We all have diamonds in front of us. Correct. So for you, you're passive investing, you're working your buns off, you're in your career, you've now transitioned to doing this full time. How have you, how have you uncovered, I should say, the people in your kind of corporate career, I'm sure you have, that could be potential partners for you in the future? I, I mean, investors, right? Investing yeah, yeah, partners. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think so many times we get stopped, like people aren't, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know anyone with money. Everyone knows people with money, everyone, Correct. every person listening to this podcast, I'm telling you, ladies, you know, people with money, you just don't know that they have money yet. And you don't know the right questions to ask. Not like, Hey, do you have money? Obviously that's totally Correct. not the way to approach it. So how did you do it? Because you were actually in that corporate world and you've now transitioned. How have you had those conversations? What have you said? More importantly, what have you asked? Because it's not what you say to people, it's what you ask. It's how you, how you really engage someone to kind of assess, huh, this could be someone that m might want another investment opportunity. Because that's right, what you're offering. Right, right. A, have a, you a lot it? of it is, is people like me. Yeah. Right? right? I mean, you don't have to. When I said the, the, the accredited investor thing, most people in New York City are credit investors and most of the people that I've worked with in my 30-year career are probably in credit investors and most of them have money in the stock market and most of them have money in mutual funds and then there's this other thing the self-directed IRA that's a whole other topic that mm -hmm. people don't know about um, that you you know you can and that's you can learn about that on my website too and I've written blogs about it and everything else because that's how I started out I used my self-directed IRA and, uh, and a lot of the internet crowdfunding things are, are debt investing as opposed to equity investing. And you're loaning money for deals and instead of buying the deal. And there are pros and cons of all of that. And so I use, I do use my self-directed IRA all the time to, for debt investing. I'll do, I'll do loans. I'll do hard money loans. I'm like, I have no idea how to do a flip, but I'll loan somebody some I'll put some money into somebody I know's flip or whatever right. and and 
it's like a loan, right? And I don't have mm -hmm. to do the hammering or anything, right? <laughs> or find the contractor. So, so it's, it's all about just learning and immersing yourself and reading all you can about, about this stuff. And I learned by investing in a passive deal with someone that I trusted. And, and ha but those conversations you've had with your colleagues per se, since, since moving on from the corporate environment, how have you, how have you approached that? How do, how do you suggest women approach those conversations? Have you, um, tell me about, you know, um, your goals in, in life. I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you, where do you see yourself in the next five or 10 years? Do you, how do you, do you like your job? Do you, do you, um, and, and, you know, where are you investing now? And, and, you know, I, I really talked to them about my experience and, you know, I saw my parents have to take money out of the stock market to live when the market was down, you know, they died in 2011 or whatever. And I really wish I had known about this because I could have helped them. Um, because what happens with cash flowing real estate is rents typically don't go down very much, if at all. So oftentimes in Texas, at least they went up uh, in 2008. Now you couldn't sell the asset because nobody had could get loans, right? But if you hung on to it, you could still make money. You know, so there are all kinds of things. You don't have to sell the asset to make the money like you do with the stock market. So it's like the diamond thing. So yeah. I'm still in the stock market. I'm still in a lot of different other things. But, but we're taught to really, we're taught to diversify, but we're really not. We're in our eggs are all in the stock market basket. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yep. Is your, your, you know, that really is all you can do unless you start really learning about Yes, and there's so much speculative stuff going on. So that's why the relationship is important. And I understand why they have those, those rules in place, but it's a catch-22, right? If you don't have the relationship, you don't have the opportunity, and you don't have the – I mean, it's just this so, – so I think that you just get to know people. And, and most of the time, when I've, since I've left my job also, people are just like, what are you doing? And so it starts a conversation. Sure, absolutely. And, I, and I, I love the idea of really understanding what people's goals are because obviously you don't just go up to someone and go, hey, where do you want to be in five years, right? Because that's a little forward. It's like Correct. saying, you know. but, but to your point, you're in a conversation with people, you know, you really want to engage them. Like, where do you see yourself? And, and, and then you start to just explore, you know, is there collaboration? Or are we just going to, at least they know what you're up to. So if you are raising money out there and the person you're talking to is, does not want to, you know, potentially be a passive investor with you, that's okay. But they certainly can refer you. If they know what you're doing, you have to tell people what you're yeah. up to. Yeah. I have friends that made a lot of money in like the early dot-com days. And so, I mean, like a lot of money. And they're into all this angel investing. Yeah. And their thing is to put money in 10 companies and they lose on nine and one of them hits and it's a 10 X return. Right. And this is very pedestrian to them. They don't, they don't, they're bored with real estate. They like to go get on the board or the advisory board of the sure. company they're investing in and all this stuff. This is not their thing. And they've got mm -hmm. the, 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 the money to do that. And, and this is what they like to do. Yeah. You know, and that's okay too, right? And they're not investing in it. You know, they're, they're starting to ask me more though now that the stock market's going down, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but I, I want to touch base on um, a lot of the ladies that are 
listening to us and a lot of the ladies that are part of our investor community Facebook group, they're just starting. Maybe mm-hmm. they, they live um, in PA, New Jersey. They have a regular job. Mm-hmm. They're not accrediting investors, but that's what they see themselves a couple of years Correct. down the road. What would you say to them? They don't have a fat bank account where they can go and just start and they don't feel confident about raising money. Mm-hmm. How would you get started thinking, okay, down the road, that's what I want to do, but what can I do now? What's a little step that I can start doing now in order for me to move forward towards this big goal? The best thing that I can the best advice that I can give is to find someone who's doing what you would like to do and ask them and talk to them and, and get their opinion because there are lots of ways. I know people that and I can point you and, and you can too. That's what's so great about our community, right? I can, I know people that have started with nothing and have started wholesaling and have started, you know, I know, I know people that I, that we can hook people up with, right? Yeah, and yeah. Make some money and blah, blah. And what happened to me was I had a good job at a career and, and I just began, you know, uh, the money I, I, I've always saved because that's what you do. That's what I was taught to do. And I just re, sort of reallocated kind of where my savings was, were, were, was, whatever. Um, but you know, and, and, and I did this when I was older. Um, you know, somebody like a Joe or a Matt or, you know, they, they've, they've done it earlier than me and that's okay too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that what I've tried to do is surround myself with people who have what I want or that I can learn from, because you're right. If you're not growing, forget it. And that's, and, and I got to you all because I met Matt at a, at a I met your husband um, at a, at an event yeah. and time cool the book. connections, just right? Yeah. A brilliant guy. And, and I learned a whole lot from just what he was talking about. And, you know, if somebody like, I oh, mean, I want to know more about this guy and I want to know more about, you know, invest her. And then, and then that led to this. And so yeah. I think you just have to be open to seeing those diamonds Yep. And you know, yeah. there's an attraction or something that you want to learn more about and listen to your gut because you know more than you think, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. But I think that's a great point. Like, you know, I think it was Brian Tracy. I forget who it was, but like success leaves clues Correct. and no matter what, no matter what you want to do, I mean, even like run a marathon, like anything, even personally, anything. really anything, there is probably someone on, on, on some place that you know has come, has done it. Correct. And I think that's really what our ultimate goal is here is that, you know, everyone can give something, mm-hmm. especially women and, and everyone can get something. There are things that I'm trying to learn more about Correct. that I don't know much about. You put me in contact with someone, Holly, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other things that I do know quite a bit about and I can help a person around, you know, right. around something. So I think, Number one, you got to know what you want. And number two, you know, start being in circles of people that you're going to just stumble upon some really great people. That's right. So that's important. And if you don't know what you want, you'll figure it out. That's trust, right. Yeah. Trust that little voice inside. That's right. You know, and ask people's advice that you trust and that you know. Yep. And the only way to do that is to just, just know. You know? So, 
Hal, you're you're up to some really neat things. So you're growing, obviously, I'm sure your passive investments and all the things that you're up to. I know you got some deals in the pipeline. So where can the ladies listening? I know you shared it once, but share share it again, your website and where, you know, ladies can listen and can learn more about um, not just you, but also it sounds like some of your 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 strategies and your thought process so they can start thinking up because those are the words that you've used and the verbiage yeah. and the the language, right? So so yeah, where can ladies so learn more keep about keepmore keepmore.com is is really the the place where they can find me. My company name is MQ Ventures. My daughter's name is Mary Quinn. It sounded like a great idea at the time. Uh, no, <laughs> I like that ventures. I love it. Her. You know, it really is. It's all yeah. and so that's awesome. what's that's what's great about real estate is you can really really create general generational wealth. And and at the end of the day, it's it's about choices. Absolutely. It's about options rather. You know, we want our kids to have you know, hey, if she wants to go be a lawyer and work at a corporate job, great. More power to her. If she wants to not do that, more power to her. You know, it's all, it's the important thing to, to, to do is to be able to give back and, and, and share things and be, a, be an upstanding, you know, contributor in, in the world. And, and, and that's kind of my goal for her. And, and um, so if, if we all did that, maybe we wouldn't be in such a, such a mess with this whole I completely agree it's about the legacy I heard another day um, what else are you leaving to your kids besides stuff right Mm -hmm. the choices like if you allow your kid to have a choice Mm -hmm. to be able to choose what he or she wants to do I think that that's that's so amazing and understand though that yeah and understand that I'm not a gazillionaire I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, we're, we're, I'm really not. I mean, you don't have to be, you know, a gazillionaire to, to do this. You know, I have a normal and I, and I don't now. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, and uh, everything is within a normal, you know, I don't have a Ferrari in the garage or all that, which is okay too. Maybe I'm not sure I want one, but we'll see. <laughs> all that stuff, you know, evolves. But, there you go. But yeah, so so you have more than you think you have, and you know more than you think you know. Absolutely. So all this information that you guys just heard is going to be on our show notes. So. You can have access to the websites and the books that we spoke about too. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. Are you ready, Holly? Oh, sort of. Maybe. <laughs> I might run away at this point. <laughs> Very quick. This, the first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Oh my God. All right. So, so here's, I don't transformate. So I'm going to go out of the box here and I always say this, those of you who have listened to me before, there's a, there's a book that a guy named Edward Rutherford wrote and he's a, he's a historical fiction. He writes historical fiction and he's done a, he he wrote a book on Paris. He's written lots of books, but he wrote a book called New York. And what it does though, is it translates, it, 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 it tells the story of, of New York, uh, five New York families from the time that the uh, Native Americans inhabited Manhattan till the World Trade Center bombing, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, to the World Trade Center, the 9-11. And it's, it's amazing. And along the way, it talks about the Astors and the Rockefellers and how, you know, the Triangle Shirt Factory and all the, and, you know, all of that. And it's fascinating to see how history 
has operated. And, um, and, 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 and so I've, I've learned a whole lot and it really solidified real estate for me. I mean, cause a lot of, nice. you know, um, since the beginning of time, land holdings have been the measure of wealth in the world. Yeah. That didn't change. In medieval times. So anyway, yeah. uh, that's what kind of got me thinking more than anything else. Great. The second question is what's the most powerful routine you do to create a financially free and balanced life? I think it's funny, actually. I'm the kind of person that I think I buy a, I kid it around about my Jura Compressa. I've got this Lamborghini of coffee makers and I don't go to Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to pay. If I go there, I'll buy a little, little small coffee because I refuse to pay $5 for a thing. I just, but I'll pay a thousand dollars for a coffee maker. But believe me, I've won. I've won in the end. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I'm making more money than than I'm saving more money than I'm whatever. You know. <laughs> the and last, I bought it refurbished. There you go. The <laughs> last question is: Which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Oh God, you, <laughs> you guys. No, I, not not necessarily. It's been people. I, I, so, and, and I really do mean that it's been people that I've met through this journey that, that, uh, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do what you guys do. Right. I don't have a podcast, maybe someday. I don't know if I'm not sure if that's what I want to do. I can be a guest. It's awesome. I appreciate you all having me on, but I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it, there are so many women that came before us that have, you know, shown all uh, tremendous courage and tremendous um, just intellectual capacity. And, um, you know, we're really stronger than we think. And, and, and so it's, it, it's that kind of thing, the, the, the trailblazers, the, you know, um, so that's, that's kind of the, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, of women that are doing great things all over the place. And you have to, just look, just look around. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. Holly, thank you so much. Uh, you know, having you on the show is, was a lot of fun, you know, yeah. a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of education. And I think you really, you really hit on some great, great points um, that, you know, specific and also just, you know, the, the general of, you know, having the courage and you had the courage and, uh, and just kind of, you know, challenging the status quo of the Wall Street, you know, and I think that's something to be said for, um, and, uh, you know, just thank you for your time. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for having me. You, you're, you're wonderful. Thank you so much, Holly. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.